All right. Notice verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 3. It says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. What I want to preach about today is how to find favor with God. And notice how in the beginning of this chapter, it's telling him, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. These things, they're going to add things. They're going to add length of days. They're going to add long life. And he's telling him that if you'll do these things, you will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So I want to talk about how to find favor with God, because I don't know about you. I want God to favor me. I want God to be pleased with me. I want God to do good things for me. Now, there's many people out there today who are teaching a demented grace doctrine that's basically encouraging people to sin and live a lascivious lifestyle. And those of us who try to be obedient to the scriptures and who, and let me just admit it, I do try to make an effort to please God and to find favor with him. There's some things I don't do because I want to please God. And that's why I don't. Some of these things might please me. It would often please me to cuss somebody out, but I know it wouldn't please God, and so I don't do it. So the, the, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and pretend that, no, I just, I just don't cuss because the Holy Spirit saved me, and it just I can't do it. No, that's not. No, I, I, act, I actively make efforts to do certain things and not do certain things. I'm, I'm not going to lie and pretend anything. Now, when you ever, so whenever you try to be obedient to the Scriptures, you get accused of being legalistic. And so then after they chastise you for being legalistic, often what they do, and this is where they can be, they can, they can deceive you if you're not careful. They start getting real eloquent talking about the grace of God. And they will say a lot of true things about the grace of God. They will remind us of how grace is unmerited favor and how there's nothing, there's no works that we can do to gain God's favor and grace is free. That's a true statement. They will talk about how the blood sanctifies us and not our works or our obedience to the law, which is also true. There's plenty of verses we can go to to prove that. They will talk about how grace, salvation, sanctification, holiness, these things are all found in Jesus Christ, which is also true. But where things get confusing with these people is while saying all these wonderful things many times, they'll say it literally with a can of beer in their hands. And then you and I will look at this and we're like, something's wrong here. You know, they're saying a lot of good stuff, you know, and they're sounding real sweet saying it, but I'm pretty sure God doesn't want me drinking beer. I'm pretty sure this would not please God. And so they will say, turn around and, you know, because we abstain from things like alcohol, that we're doing it because we believe it makes us more sanctified and that it makes us or it makes God love us more. Then we get accused of being a Pharisee, uh, and they've got all kinds of names for us, and they are uh, they will not uh, hesitate to throw those names at us. But you know, here's the thing: Am I really a bad person if I think, and even if I'm wrong? All right, let's just suppose I'm wrong. Am I a bad person if I think it's wrong to drink? I mean, look at all the bad stuff that happens in the world because of alcohol and drunkenness. And how am I a bad person if I read? Proverbs 20, verse 1, where it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raising, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, you know what? Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't try it. 
I don't know. I, I just kind of get that impression from Proverbs 20, verse 1. When I read Proverbs 23, 29, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contention, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. Thine heart shall utter perverse things. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in the IFB world and we're all known for doing too much exegesis in Scripture. But when I read that passage of Scripture there, I look at wine and I think I probably shouldn't drink it. I should probably stay away from it, especially when I know firsthand people who have seen some of these very things you know who hath wounds without cause i remember one time i came to work and there was a guy the whole side of his face was all mangled he came to work it's like what happened he's like ah, i was drunk last night and i was walking home and i fell and i hit my face on a curb i thought he got in a fight or something but it was just weird how it was all all the beating took place on one side of the face you know and it's just like i'm looking at that and i'm thinking you know what? i probably shouldn't drink i don't want to fall and hit my face on a curb and let me all mangle like that. I don't know. So, you know what? If I'm wrong, I think we ought to be able to cut me some slack, all right? You'd think even these people would have a little grace for me. You know, seeing what the Scripture says and just life in general. But let me just, I'm not preaching about alcohol today, but guess what? We're right on the subject. We're right. You shouldn't drink it. End of story. But anyway, so, you know, I hear what these people are saying about sanctification and grace. But I am, I'm pretty sure God doesn't want me drinking. I believe I could drink and still go to heaven, but I don't think God wants me doing it. So the problem with these people, they assume, here's what they do when they're getting up. They, they assume that they know everyone's motives for why they do what they do or why they don't do what they do. They assume you all think exactly the way they do. They assume you operate exactly the way they do it. But the truth is, it is okay to want to be closer to God and to have a desire to please him, and there is a way to do it. You, you can't deny it. There is a way to find favor or grace with God. It's not something that God just magically put on you from the foundation of the world according to his wisdom, like the Calvinists often will try to teach. Because, okay? for example, uh, Genesis 6, 7 says, The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, did Noah do something that caused him to find that grace? Or did God just randomly give it to him? You know, I believe Noah did something that caused him to find that grace. A grace that the rest of the world did not find. Now, what was it? I believe we're going to find out. I believe we're going to see what that is. I'm going to show you several examples of people who found grace. People who found favor. And it's very clear in the Bible what they did to help them do that. And I believe we need to do these things. But first, before we get into that, what is grace? Okay, what is grace? Okay, the definition, it's favor. The very first definition is favor, goodwill, kindness, disposition to oblige another as a grant made as an act of grace or the free, unmerited love and favor of God. Okay, so that, and that's probably the most popular definition that you will hear when talking about grace is that grace is unmerited favor. Say, well, Pastor Tom, you've already contradicted yourself because you're up here saying there's something that you can do to gain that grace, but grace is unmerited 
favor. But here's what you got to understand about that. Unmerited, it means when it comes to our performance of the law. Okay, this, That's what you got to understand. Because in the Old Testament, they had what was called the law, didn't they? Now, nobody got saved by that law. We know from reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, everyone who got saved in the Old Testament, they were saved by grace. And the Bible gives us examples of that. We'll look at some of that in a little bit. But when the, when the Bible's talking about grace or unmerited favor, you got to understand that holy law, that Old Testament, if you could have performed all of that, you could have obtained salvation, but then that would have been merited. You earned it. You did all the works. But here's the problem. We've all broken that law. Okay? So when it comes to us pleasing God, we're not doing it based on our performance of the law. But there is something that we can do that's not about our performance of the law, yet gains favor and merit with God. Okay? So, Because you see, here's what you got to understand before we get into that. God is not in heaven looking at you and looking at your works and comparing them to the law. Okay? God's not looking down at Brother Brian and say, and he's, he's comparing his life to what the law of God says. And he's like, all right, he's got this box, he's got that box. And it's like, well, I mean, obviously he doesn't have all the boxes checked, but you know what? He's got more boxes checked than Austin has, so you know what? I'm going to give him more favor than I give Austin. God's not measuring us that way. God's not judging us based on our performance of the law because when it comes to our performance of the law romans 3 23 is real clear for all have sin and come short of the glory of god but the truth is god does love us anyway it says in romans 5 8 but god commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners christ died for us so when it comes to gaining favor with god it's not about you your performance of the law it's not about you checking things off on a box, okay? God is not going to allow anyone in heaven based on their performance of God's holy law. Romans 4, 4 says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So again, it's not about your performance of the law. So here's the big question. Do we even need to pay attention to the law? I mean, are the trendies right? Can we just throw that Old Testament out? Oh, and even better, we can even throw out everything Jesus said because that was still in the dispensation of the law. It's only what's in the Pauline epistles that we got to worry about. Is, is that what we need to do? It, you know, is there, you know, when it comes to how I live my life, should I take anything into consideration that's mentioned in the Old Testament? Should I even say anything to other people about what, you know, about their sin, or should I only talk about Jesus? You know, is there anything that can be done so I can find more favor with God or make him love me more if grace is unmerited favor? And I do believe grace is unmerited favor. But let me show you some examples of people in the Bible who did gain favor and have extra love from God. And look what it says in John 19, verse 26. It says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved. Talking about John. He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. John is known as the beloved disciple. He was known. Now, does this mean Jesus didn't love the other disciples when he said it's the disciple who Jesus loved? No, it didn't mean he, Jesus loved Peter and the rest of them. But you know, 
he had a special love for John, didn't he? Now, why? Okay, I kind of like to know why. Well, it's only God can know. No, actually, I think we can know. We're going we're gonna to see here in a little bit. We see in John 20, verse 2, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved. Talking about John, again, John 21, 7, Therefore the, that disciple whom Jesus loved, say then to Peter, it is the Lord. All these times, it's talking about John. So John had a special love from Jesus Christ. Uh, I think we would all agree that um, Lazarus and Mary and Martha all had a special place in Jesus' heart. Now, why is that? We see in John 11, verse 34, says, And said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Talking about this is when Lazarus was dead. Jesus wept. We all know Jesus wept. It's the one verse we've got memorized. And, but then notice the next verse. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Other people even noticed how much Jesus loved people like Lazarus. What did, I mean, it, shouldn't Jesus just show the same love to everybody? I mean, we're all sinners. Why is Jesus loving on Lazarus and Mary and Martha more than he is everybody else? Why is Jesus loving on John more than he is everybody else? Why is that? And, you know, and we can, we can take the Calvinist approach. Well, only God knows that. We can never know. You know, it's just that the Bible just put that in there for filler. No, it, it, it's there for a reason. Hey, there's a reason for all this stuff. And so, and let me just give you my opinion of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I've talked about this before. In my opinion, they were ugly. I think Mary Magdalene was ugly. Now, every movie, every depiction you will ever see of Mary Magdalene, she's always beautiful. Now, why is that? You know why? Because when you read the Bible, you see that Jesus definitely had a special love for these people. They were special people to Jesus. And you see, us in our, our twisted, carnal mind, we people often have favor because of their looks. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. Aren't better-looking people, don't they usually find more favor in the world than ugly people? I mean, why is it there's more good-looking people in Hollywood than ugly people in Hollywood? Because people favor, you know, better-looking people. It's just, it's just a fact, okay? And you know what? That's why, you know, since sometimes... It, you know, we, we've all been dealt the hand we've got. There's nothing we can do about it. But, you know, there are some things we could do about it. You know, you got some people that just do nothing for themselves. And then they act like they're victims and people are judging me based on my appearance. Well, because you appear to stink. You know, you look like you haven't showered in months. And that's another subject for another day. But we do. We think that they had to be good looking because look at that favor Jesus had. But Jesus doesn't act the way that we do. That's not why he favors people. Now, here's why I think they were ugly. For one... They're all grown adults. Brothers and sisters are still living with each other. Why couldn't they get spouses? Mary Magdalene had seven devils cast out of her. It's not like on Hollywood where demons just randomly enter people. I think she probably lived a really rough life before Jesus came. And when you live a really rough, rough life, it shows. So here's the, here's the thing. What did, what did they do? And, and, you know, that's just my opinion. There's, that's some eisegesis right there. But, you know, I think I'm right. And when I get my time machine, I'm going to prove it to all of you. But anyway, uh, so I, I won't fight anybody over that. So we do. We just, but we do. We assume that because, and it's because it's how Hollywood depicts things. And that's, you know, Hollywood's not going to get anything right. But um, it says in Matthew 9:10, it says, and it came, because uh, it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. 
And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn if that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We see Jesus did, why well, he seemed to spend more time with the down and outers than he did with the upper crusters and the people that were the more, you know, respected in society. What was it about these people that caused Jesus to have more favor for them than he did for other people? We can go on and on with examples like this, but folks, you can't deny there aren't some people that had extra favor. We see David was a man after God's own heart. We see Abraham was called a friend of God. God said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Uh, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. We see that in Hebrews chapter 11. The virgin Mary, the angel said to her, thou art highly favored among women. We see statements like this all throughout the Bible. And it's and so there's no doubt there is something that can be done or there's something that is done to gain love and favor with God. So what is that? Okay, what can we do? What is it that the Bible mentions? We're going to look at a few things here so we can gain more favor. And here's the first one, and that is have faith. Okay, faith is something that pleases God. It says in Hebrews 11:5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Before Enoch went to heaven, he had a testimony that he pleased God. So what did he do? What was it? Well, you know what? The Bible doesn't specifically tell us, well, you know, Enoch in his 365 years never took a drink, never committed adultery, never broke this law, never broke that. The Bible doesn't tell us any of that stuff. All the Bible tells us about Enoch is that he walked with God and that he had this testimony that he pleased God. And then it goes on to say in verse six, in the very next verse, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So Enoch, we know, pleased God by his faith. That his faith was so great, it caused him to have favor with God to a point where God said, you know what? I'm not going to have you die. You're going to escape death. I'm taking you to heaven right now. Okay, and I'm sorry, God wasn't protecting him from the flood. He got raptured out over 600 and some years before the flood. People try to use him as a picture of the rapture and we're going to be spared tribulation. He would have lived to be over a thousand if he would have been there for the flood. So, uh, no, he just had faith and God's like, you know what? Come on, I'm taking you now. And how could God do that when the blood hadn't been applied yet? You know why? Because the promise was there. God wasn't in heaven thinking, I, I got to wait and see if Jesus comes through before I allow you to uh, allow you to come to heaven. No, God knew. God declares the end from the beginning. Enoch, he went, he went to heaven a long time ago. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Everyone that's mentioned in Hebrews 11, it's not mentioned based on their performance of the law, but by their faith. Now with Noah, we know God told him, make an ark. God told him to, you know, make, make it according to certain dimensions. God told him to, you know, cover it with pitch. 
God gave him all these specific instructions. God told him to take animal two by two and told him to take seven of every clean beast. But whenever Hebrews 11 is talking about Noah and how he pleased God, it's not talk. It didn't say because he did the dimensions right on the ark because he got the right amount of animals because he did cover the ark with pitch because he used the right kind of wood that I told him to use. You know why God was pleased with Noah? Because he had faith. He had faith. You know what he did? He believed God. When God told him he was going to send a flood, Noah believed that God was going to send a flood. And Noah believed that God would protect him if he built the ark. And so Noah's performance or Noah's favor and his grace that he gained with God, it was not because of a written law that he filled. It was because of his faith. And folks, any of us can have faith. This is what's great about all this. Any of us, all these things we're going to be talking about, any of us can do it. Listen, some some of us, you know, all of us, you know, we'll, we'll probably never be a David when it comes to the talent, when it comes to his, you know, some of his abilities. We're never going to be a Samson. We're never going to be a lot of these great people with the great abilities that they had in the Bible. But you know what we can do? We can have faith. No matter how, I mean, how small talent you have, this is something any of us can have from the smallest child to the, to the oldest person, to the, 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 to the strongest, to the weakest. Any of us can have faith and we can please God in a way like anyone else. There, there's, there's nothing limiting you on that faith that you can have except for yourself. There's a lot of things that might limit you when it comes to performing certain things. I'll never be smart enough, talented enough to just, you know, become a billionaire or anything like that. But you know what? I can't have faith. I can be a, I can be a great person of faith. Nothing can change that. And so, Hebrews 11 does not talk about people's performance of the law because many of the people mentioned in Hebrews 11 too, we could show all kinds of examples where they broke the law. But you know what? They please God by their faith. And so what Pastor Trendy often says about sanctification, about grace is true. But here's the thing. There's some of us who follow the commands of God, not because we are not trying to gain favor based on our performance of the law, but some of us actually believe God. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to, we believe God. It says in 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. I mean, you know what? I just, I'm convinced that I will be better off if I never drink. I'm convinced of that. Now, I don't, I don't think for one second that I am going to go to heaven because I've never drank. I don't think for one second that I have moved up the ranks when it comes to gaining favor with God because when it comes to that law about drinking, never done it. I don't think I've gained favor. I don't think I've gained favor because of that. But here's the thing where I could gain favor is just because of the fact I believe that. And any of you can do that. Even if you've broken that law in the past, and even and maybe before you got saved, you drank and you enjoyed it. Maybe you're saved and you're still like, you know what? I could use a drink. But you know what you do? You say, I think God knows better for me. I'm not going to do it anyway. It doesn't matter about that past. That faith will please God. In fact, maybe even more than somebody who's never drank before, because maybe you were somebody that knew how to handle your alcohol without getting in a lot of trouble and you knew how to get the buzz and 
you know, the fun stuff without a lot of the negative, you know, really bad side effects. I don't know how that all works and I don't want to figure it out. But maybe you got it figured out, but yet by faith, you say, I'm not going to do it because I trust God. He knows better for me than I do. You know what? You're pleasing God. You're pleasing God. Now, when it comes to your performance of the law, you're, you're a lawbreaker in that area. You failed. You messed up. You can't undo what you've done. But it doesn't thank God. You can still have faith and you can move forward. So you know what? If you did it in the past, who cares? You can still please God. You can still gain favor with God. You don't have to sit there and think, and think well, you know, I'm never going to get the kind of favor Pastor Tommy has because, you know, he grew up in a home that was taught right and he never did drink. You know, I've already blown that one. So I'm never going to get the favor. Listen, any of you can gain favor with God right now by faith. By having faith, you can do that. There's no doubt about it. Some of us believe that if we keep these things, we will be better off. And we don't always know why, but we believe God. You know what that's called? That's called faith. So you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to drink. And you know what? Yes, it's largely based on the scriptures like those ones that we read earlier. But it's not that it, when I claim those verses, I'm not up here saying I'm keeping the law of God. I'm not saying that. You know what I'm saying? I believe that passage. I believe that. And so I'm staying away from it. I'm going to abstain. So there's nothing in the law I can measure up to. But, cause, but thankfully, whenever I do come short, which is all the time, grace abounds. And so, and just because I fail, it doesn't mean I'm not going to try. Because again, I, I genuinely believe God. I genuinely believe I will be better if I'm obedient to him. I will be happier if I'm obedient to him. And so my obedience, that I talk about, the obedience that I uh, to the word of God that I try to get from all of you, the things that I preach, this isn't about us trying to be a church that has just achieved all these merits and therefore we now have grace. No, I'm just trying to get you to get on the same page as God, just to believe God and have faith in what he says and just go and do it. Because if you do it, you will be better off. You will be happier. You will gain favor and grace with God. So faith, any of us can do that. I know we live in a a world where everybody wants to claim victim status. Everybody wants to claim some kind of disability for whatever. But folks, there is no excuse. There is nothing stopping you from having more faith than the next person. Nothing. It It is a level playing field across the board when it comes to this. A level playing field. And so any, any of you can do this. Here's another thing too. This is a level, another thing that you can do. And there's a level playing field. Nobody's at a disadvantage in here. Nobody. And that is love God. Okay? Loving God. Now here's the thing about loving God. You can't fake love, can you? Now this is one of the big things that I believe that caused people to gain favor with God. So we saw some examples of faith. We could have gone through Hebrews 11. We could have spent a whole message talking about things that they did, but it was ultimately about their faith but loving God. Now, this is what I believe John did. Okay, John, the beloved disciple. Notice what it says in John 21, 20. You don't have to turn there. But it says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and so said, Lord, which is he to betray thee? That's talking about John again. John is known for being the one that laid on Jesus' breast. What does that mean? John was, John was very close to Jesus. John tried to get close to Jesus. You know why? Because John loved Jesus. And one thing we see in the Bible, God loves everybody, but God really likes it when we love him back. 
God responds very well when we love him back. So, for example, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I believe the reason they gained favor with God was because they were saved just like many other people that Jesus saved, but they loved him back. Not everybody that gets saved loved Jesus back like they should. But some people did. Look what it says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. It says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, this is what I believe about both of these women here. I believe both of these women were doing what they knew how to do to show their love for Jesus. You know, there's some women, that is how they show their love. They cook, they serve meals. You know, that's how they show their love. And yeah, all husbands, you know, we love when our wives show us that love. You know, and they make something that's just like really good and pleasing. And, you know, and we just get to enjoy that, right? You know, and it's just like, you know, all right, you know, that that's good. And I think that's what Martha was doing. I believe Martha was genuinely trying to show her love for Jesus. But where Martha got out of line is she got bent out of shape with Mary. But what Jesus was trying to say when he's talking about Mary is what Mary had chosen was better. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know why? Because while I'm glad my wife cooks for me and I love when she shows me that love, you know, it's better that we have like an actual relationship where we communicate and where we talk. That's better than the cooking, right? You know, if if that was the only love your wife showed was the cooking and she never talked to you, I mean... Hey, enjoy the cooking, but at the same time, you know, it's better to have the talking too and the communication. She never wanted to be near you. She's always in the kitchen, but she never sits by on the couch or anything like that. So, you know, both are good, but one's better than the other, isn't it? And there's some women out there, you know, they like to talk. They like to be close, but their cooking's terrible, you know, and they don't want to do any of that stuff. And, you know, hey, at least you got the one part that's good. Amen. You know, but. If you can get, if you can get the, guys, you can find the package deal, you know, you, you found a wonderful thing. But anyway, uh, but I do, I believe what we're seeing here, I believe the reason these people were special to Jesus is because they just loved him. We see the woman that, you know, washed Jesus' feet with her hair, with her tears and her hair. She loved him and Jesus loved her back. We see these publicans and these harlots how they would love Jesus for forgiving them while there was others that they didn't appreciate this forgiveness. They didn't appreciate this love. And Jesus was drawn to those who loved him back. And so that right there is something that we can do. Loving God is the first and the greatest commandment. We all know that. And we see in James 4, 8, it says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So we see when we draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to us. You want to know why you're not real close with God? It's not because God's got just other people that are more important. Because God's, you know, it's like we think that God's interested in just the pastors. God's interested in the talented people. God's interested in the big names. No, God's interested in those who love him. And if you will draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. And maybe if there is a preacher or somebody out there that you see and God's just all over them, maybe it's because that preacher is just all over God. 
Maybe that preacher is just drawing nigh to God, and so God's showing himself strong. God's not looking at, you know, he didn't get he didn't get that way. He didn't get that favor from God from just being counted and all these things. No, he got close to God. He surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And so God just shed his grace all over him. And you know what? He could do it to you too. He will do it to you if you will draw an eye to him. There are many out there who would probably, you know, like to be close to a famous person, but, you know, they never really make any effort because in that, in their mind, that person would never pay any attention to me or they never care about me. And many, many don't even want to try because they don't want to get rejected. You know, that, and that's how it is a lot of people. You know, I, I'd like to, I'd like to get close to this preacher. Or, you know, I'd like to get clo- close to this famous person. I want to send them a letter, but chances are they're going to ignore it and they can't handle that. So they just don't even try. Well, here's the great thing about God. He's not going to ignore you. He will pay attention to you. And if you put that effort out there to just get close to him. And again, it's, Nobody's trying to get close to God by their performance of the law. That kind of stuff just comes natural, all right? So, for example, publicans and harlots are coming in their present condition to Jesus Christ, and they're finding love and they're finding acceptance. In, in that, they didn't, they didn't get it when they said, hey, you know, well, there were people who came to the Lord. Lord, I've kept all these commandments from my youth up. What lack I yet? How did it go for that guy? You had other people that came to Jesus, a mess, saying, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus is just loving all over these people. So, folks, any of us can do this. Any of you can love God. He's given plenty of reasons for you to love him. So, in, in fact, the worse you've been in your life, the more reason you should have to love him. Nobody is at a disadvantage here. And a lot of times we do, we have this attitude. Oh, that person's getting all this grace. They're getting all this favor with God. They sure are lucky. That could be you too. That could be you too if you would have faith, if you would love him. Nothing is stopping you except you. There's, no, there's nothing that you've done in the past. There's, nothing, there's no law that you've broken in the past that's going to stop you, that's going to, that's going to cause Jesus to reject you when you draw an eye to him. When you come and you try to get close and you try to show your love for him, he's not going to say, ah, nope. Remember back when you were in college and you experimented with this or you did that or whatever. You're out. No, he's not going to, he's not going to bring up the law on you. But you know what else? Don't come to him saying, Lord, look at all I've forsaken. I repented of, I, I, look, I went to the camp meeting and I went to the old fashioned altar down the sawdust trail and I repented of all my sins. Here I am. I have made you Lord of my life. I haven't just believed on you, but I have declared you Lord. I have offered my life in service and obedience to you. And now can I have grace? Is that how that works? That is not how that works. That's not how that works at all. Folks, There's not. There, this is an even playing field. Only God can come up with something like this. And it's all over his word. So, uh, the last thing you can do, I'll quickly go through this. This will cause you to gain favor with God. And, so, and there's so many examples. You know, we can go to Zacchaeus. We see the effort he went to get into Jesus Christ. Jesus noted, you know, there's a lot of people trying to get to Jesus during that time. But this one guy just goes the extra mile. I mean, he's climbing a tree to do it. And what did Jesus do? I'm going to your house. You know what that's called? That's called grace. That's called favor. He did something. Okay. And it wasn't so much because he 
put the effort in of climbing the tree, but that effort he put in of climbing the tree showed how much he wanted to be close to Jesus, how much he wanted to see Jesus. The guys who cut the hole in the roof and, and sent their friend down, Jesus saw that. Well, there's probably a lot of people trying to get to Jesus, but these guys that went that extra mile, it revealed their heart. It revealed their faith. That, and that's what made, that's what made the difference. So the last thing you can do, love his people and others. Okay? Love your neighbors yourself. That's the second greatest commandment. But folks, love everybody, all right? Love, you know, love others, love lost people. But there's something special though about loving his about loving his children. For example, Cornelius we see. We all know Cornelius. He's a great example of the grace of God. It was through Cornelius that God revealed to the disciples or to the apostles that he was going to evangelize the Gentiles. It was through Cornelius. Now, why Cornelius? Well, it says in Acts 10.1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band, called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. We see in verse 34, it says, And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted in him. Cornelius was a good man that was seeking God in the best way he knew how, and you know what else he was doing? He was doing good to the people of God. He was doing good to others, and God saw what he was doing, and God said, You know what? You're not going to get saved just by doing alms and doing good things. But when God saw the effort this guy was putting in to get to God, you know what he did? He sent Peter there to tell him how. And Cornelius had faith, and Cornelius got saved. We see this centurion, and we don't have time to go there. In Luke chapter 7, we had the centurion who comes to Jesus, who had a servant that was sick. But that centurion, uh, says in verse 2, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come to heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy whom should do this. For he loveth our nation and hath built us a synagogue. We see this centurion, he just, he was good to God's people. And even the people at land, like this guy's a good guy to, to us. And you know what? They said he's worthy, but you know what impressed Jesus with this guy too? I believe God was pleased with what he did for the Jewish people, but then when Jesus talked to that centurion, he's like, man, I'm not worthy. You should come to my house. He said, you can just say the word and it would get done. And Jesus saw that. And he said, I've not found faith like this in Israel. Listen, I believe Jesus, he, he, he did. He clearly pointed out his faith. This man's works, how he treated God's people was brought up. And I believe that caused him to gain, uh, gain great favor. And sure enough, Jesus healed his servant. And we could go on and on, folks. There's so many examples that we see like this in the Bible. And as believers, we should. We should love everyone, even unsaved people. But there is no doubt there's an extra blessing when you do good to those who belong to God. And, folks, we can all relate to this. You know, if somebody does something bad to kids, we all hate them, right? But you especially hate them if they do something to your kids. And it's the same thing, too, if somebody does good things for your kids. That's going to cause, you mean, if they're good to your kids, if they're good to your family, if your kids love them, you just, you tend to do it too. It's just, it's a really natural thing because you love your children. And so if someone else does something to make them happy, you just automatically love that person. You, you care about them that much more. And when God sees us just loving on his children, 
when God, and not, and again, not just his children, when God sees us loving those that he loves, God loves sinners too. When God sees us doing good for others, and again, this is, it's, this is another area where it's, it's a level playing field, okay? Nobody, none of us in here have millions of dollars to give to anybody, but did you know you can give a lot of money and you can do it without love? Some people just love the tax breaks. Some people just love the attention that they're going to get. But, you know, there's some, and so, you know, most of us, we don't have the ability to do really big things. I mean, Bill Gates has given away more money than any of us have, but does anybody think Bill Gates is a real loving guy? Right? I, I don't. So, but the thing is, it, it is, it's the little things. It's the things that come from the heart. It's the little things you do. For people, you know, whether it be just making somebody some cookies, you know, or sending somebody a just a nice text or a letter or email, whether whether it's knitting gloves for kids and hats for people with cancer, all these things that are just done out of a heart of love that just bring a smile to someone else's face. When you when you bring happiness to somebody that God loves, you know what? God likes that. God is pleased with that. We could go on and on with examples, too, in the Bible of when people would mess with God's people, how they would quickly lose favor with God. When you mess with, when you, you know, I mean, God told Abraham, I will bless him that bless you and I will curse him that curses you. You know why? Because Abraham loved God. Abraham was a friend of God. You mess with Abraham, you are messing with God. And that's why even that Pharaoh, when he had Abraham's wife, even though he didn't even realize what was going on, God was about to kill him. Hey, you are, you're messing with my man. And God was merciful and he warned him. Thankfully, he got right. But that's, that's, how, that's how it was throughout the Bible. Folks, this hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Listen, these people that have messed with us, with, that have messed with our church, God's going to deal with them. God's going to deal with the J.B. Pritzkers. Uh, he's still got his billions. You know what? You can be a billionaire and still be pretty miserable. You can be, I mean, folks, either way, he's still going to hell. You know, either way, that, that's going to happen. We, we, we could go on and on, but folks, these are things anyone can do. And again, this will help you gain favor. This will help us have gain grace with God. Grace is still unmerited favor because unmerited or our merit is based, that, that's based on our performance of the law. So when we go and when you read your Bible, we're not doing this to obey the law. There's a lot of things that I do only to obey the laws of our land. A lot of times when I'm wearing my seatbelt, it's just because I don't want to get a ticket. I'm not doing it from the heart. Sometimes I do it because a stinking alarm's going off in my car and it's annoying me. Right? You know, if whether, you know, when I drive the speed limit, I'm not doing it from the heart. I'm doing it out of obligation. I'm doing it because I don't want to get in, I don't want to get in trouble. And it's and there are many people they're trying to follow this book with that same attitude. This is how I will, you know, gain favor, my performance of the law. They're not doing it from the heart. They're doing it by the letter and there is a difference. And the problem with a lot of these trendies they haven't know, they haven't figured out that difference that's there. And it is a hard thing to articulate because again, we do these things by faith. We just, we just believe God. That's all, that's all there is to it. 
while a lot of these guys, too, that are out there just criticizing those of us who you know, have standards and are still following things from the Bible and things that are mentioned only in the Old, Old Testament, a lot of these people will admit to the fact that they were fake for many years and fundamental of them, how they would do things just to please others. Well, if you're dressing that way just to please some preacher, you're all, you're all, you know what? You violated the law right there. You're doing things just to be seen of men. Great, your wife put the skirt on, but she still broke God's law. So who cares? Great, you never drank, but you did it for the wrong reason. You did it because you wanted to impress this person. You're still out of line with God. And some of these people, too, might have even followed some of these things better than we have. But they still didn't please God because they did it for the wrong reason. They did it in the wrong way. They didn't do it from the heart. But there's some of us in here, we've messed up. And let me, you know, get any trendy out there and they're going to find something wrong. What do they always do? If you bring up, I don't drink. Well, do you wear mixed fabrics? Now, why do they do that? Because they assume the only reason you don't drink is because, uh, you know, you're just trying to perform all these things in the law. So they go to a passage they don't understand at all about mixed fabrics. Well, you're not doing this one right here. So now you can't say nothing about my skinny jeans. You can't say nothing about the fact that I'm wearing that which pertaineth to a woman. You know, you can't, you know, you can't say, you can't say nothing about that. And it's like, no, actually I'm doing these things by faith. And you know what? Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. If you're, if you're not doing it in faith, you're still sinning. And, and yes, a lot of people in the IFB world are doing a lot of right things and they're still doing it in sin because it's not in faith. But there's some of us that are out here today, we are in our own clumsy way doing the best we can just out of love for God and by faith. And you know what? I believe God's pleased if, if, when, when you do it that way. So what is, what, to me, what's so amazing about what it takes to find favor with God is, again, that literally anyone is capable of doing it because it's not based on any of the things that cause us to find favor on earth today. What causes you to find favor on earth today is being good looking, being wealthy, being, you know, having all this charisma. It's all those outward things. But that's not how it is with God. Anyone can love God. Anyone can love others. Anyone can have faith. And there is, there's something powerful about just a little drawing from a child. And, you know, and everyone knows when it's special to you when you know they did it with a heart of love. Even if they give it to you and it is pathetic. When you just know that came from a heart of love, that they did the best they could, you know, it, it just does something to you. You know, and, and, and you know, and, and you make a big deal about it. And you might even save some of these things. But at the same time, there's other people, they might give you something that's way more impressive, but you know their heart's not towards you. I had somebody give me $1,000 one time, and I almost didn't take it because I knew this person had, was having all these issues and things. And I did. I, I, tried, I, I told him that I, I was in a bad position. I'm like, if I take this, it's going to come back to haunt me. If I don't take it, I'm going to hurt their feelings. I didn't want to, like, just question their motives and everything. And sure enough, like, less than two weeks later, I did something that they didn't like. And it was like, all right, you know, we've got a difference in wills right now. 
I gave, remember that thousand dollars I gave you? And it's like, I'm not going to just, you know, do, you know, basically let you pass to the church now because you gave me a thousand dollars. And then sure enough, man, just, I mean, threw me under the bus. It was, it was the, it was the craziest thing. And it's like, you know, and I'm not going to lie and say I didn't like a thousand dollars, but at the same time too, you know, when I think about that thousand dollars, I don't get a warm, fuzzy feeling. I don't. But you know what? I've got drawings the little kids have given me that I do get a warm, fuzzy feeling when I find those things. These are, these are good memories where some of the things like that are bad memories. Yeah, you, you, know, you gave me that, but, you know, you did it to control me. You know, I had a preacher one time because he didn't like that I'm post-trib telling me I owed him all the support they gave me. Like, first off, the only reason I even looked for support is because all you preachers were telling me I needed to do it. I wasn't even going to look for any support. And then they tried to, like, cash in when I didn't. So did you just give me that money to control me? Is that, is that why you did that? You know, and so, you know, now I think about that, and I was like, you know what? Someday if I'm ever really rich, I'm going to give them that money back. Not right now, but, <laughs> but, but one of these days, I'd just like to go get it all in cash, walk up to him in his office, and with great disgust and disdain, throw it all on there. And if I ever get the millions, I'm going to do that. But today is not that day, so I'm just going to, you know, not feel bad. <laughs> but I, did, I didn't let him control me with that. But anyway, I hope this was a hope and blessing, and I hope you will. You can do all these things. I want God's favor on this church. I want God's grace and favor in your life. We can do this. Nothing is stopping us from doing this. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction that it has in there. And dear God, I pray that you will help us to practice every one of these things. And Lord, that we will uh, just have faith. Lord, there's no reason for us to not have faith. You've given us plenty of evidence and examples in your word. I pray, Lord, that we will love you. You've given us every reason in the world to love you, Lord, with how you've blessed us and just the fact that you've saved us and help us to love others, uh, especially your own, and help us to do all of these things, Lord, for the right reason. Help us to do these things from the heart. In your name we pray. Amen.